Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We are 22 days away from the 2023 NFL Draft, Rick. And this is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 33. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's our GM, Rick Spielman, who you may know by now has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager, as our buddy Pete Prisco makes faces. Uh, and today, by the way, Rick, we are joined by... Did anyone, I didn't know he was getting invited on the podcast. Well, look, I, we, we did like uh, before and after. After is, is Pete, who has also 30-plus years in the league covering, covering the NFL. And then we have our guy, Leger Doosable. Finally on the podcast today, we're talking offensive line and tight ends. Pete being Pete's only joining us for half the show. Rick, he has more important things to do, but he is going to talk offensive line with us before the break. Uh, I thought it makes sense to have Pete here because he was the best offensive lineman at what high school, Pete? Coral Springs High School. I was and, a nasty human being. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was an angle fighter. And Leger, I, was dirty, I was dirty, violent, gross. I was a pig because I was little, so I had to be. I love it. Knee Leger is here because he had to go up against a lot of these offensive linemen during the weekend, during the during his NFL career from 2008 to 2017. Leger right. played in the league out of UCF, and he's joining us to give us his expertise from the other side of the ball. And by the way, Rick Leger will join us next week when we're talking defensive linemen. And uh, by the way, let's do this quickly here in case you missed it. On Monday, Rick and I had a great conversation with the former Vikings head athletic trainer and director of sports medicine. You met him at the uh, Combine, too, Rick. Eric Sugarman had a lot I of great stories about Rick. I know him. Yeah, you're getting all flustered because Pete's on today, right? <laughs> yeah, take a deep breath. It's fine. He's just a man like everybody else. I met him. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Great Rick Spielman stories. I, I won't repeat any of them here, but they were fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he can confirm that Rick has a temper. So we talked to him. That's in the feed. Check that out tomorrow. Mock Draft Thursday with uh, Rick, of course, and our guy Josh Edwards will join us there. And as always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL on CBS. Subscribe, can, thumbs up. Can I tell one real quick Rick Spielman story? And, and Rick will vouch for it. Yeah, go for it. He told me that on, the trainer told me that on the first game that Rick Spielman ever worked, he happened to sit down next to Rick on the bus, and Rick never left that seat the entire time he was there for good luck. True or false, Rick? Is that true? Yeah. 17 years sitting in the same seat. We won the first game. You're, you're a strange man, let me tell you. <laughs> or is that because nobody else wanted to sit by you? I mean, that's probably what it was. I sit in the same seat in the studio every Sunday. That's Don't true. ruin it. Yep, we do. That's right. No, it worked. I mean, 2006 to 2022, they were together, Eric and Rick. So uh, something to that, Pete. All right, let's talk offensive linemen. And here's the deal. So I have all our rankings, all four of us. You ranked your top five offensive linemen. Uh, Rick, because Pete's a hard worker, he did 10 for both offensive line and tight end. So I have that as well, uh, just showing off there. So I average all the rankings, and I have an aggregate list. And we'll just go down. We'll start five and work our way to number one, and uh, we'll go from there. So let's start at the top. Number five, 
Darnell Wright, right tackle out of Tennessee. And sort of the, the thumbnail is he played left tackle early, early in his career, struggled a little bit at left tackle, was a day three pick probably coming into this season, moved to the right side. And he played himself into the first round. I feel like top 40 is worst case scenario for him. But if you told me he went top 20, I would believe that all day long. Pete, I'll start with you. You had him ranked fourth, as did Leger. Me and Rick had him fifth. Uh, what do you like about Darnell? And if you have some good fits in terms of teams that might u- be able to use Darnell, give me those as well. Well, I think he's a nasty player. I mean, he plays in the run game. He's really good in the run game, even though they're, they're a past team. But one of the things that impressed me most about him, when you played against Will Anderson, he uh, put him in his pocket for the entire game. And Will Anderson, in fact, went to the other side. He got beat. <laughs> I know, I, God forbid I say something bad about an Alabama player in terms of Rick Spielman, but uh, I think Darnell Wright was fantastic against him. And I think as far as fits, I think Tampa Bay. I mean, they're talking about moving Tristan Wirfs from the right side to the left side. Now, they haven't committed to that yet, but there's a possibility that happens. So why not get a good physical right tackle uh, to go in there and play on the right side? I think it'd be a great pick for the Bucs. In fact, I've had a mock there a bunch. I think that would make a lot of sense for me. By the way, some guys around the league – think he might be the top tackle in this draft. I don't, but some people do. So, Lijay, you had him fourth. And I want to ask you uh, more specifically, um, I don't imagine you went up against anyone like Pete in terms of an offensive lineman, but what are the things that gave you the most trouble when you're playing on the interior defensive line against these offensive linemen? Darnell plays outside, but in general, yeah. what, what are the things that, that you struggle with? And some, what are the some things you were looking forward to go up against, whether it was short arms like Luke, Wick, Luke Whipple we've talked about or whether it was something else? Yeah, guys that have length, arm length, right, is an issue for defensive linemen because we're always taught as defensive linemen, we got to get our hands inside before they even try to get out of their stance, right? And a lot of times guys have wasted motion when they cock their arms coming out of their stance. So when you look at offensive tackles, you want to know guys that can move their arms from, you know, the ground or from their um, knees straight and get into the defensive ends, you know, chest really quick. And the thing I really like about Darner White and, and, and Pete said it to a T, right? Physicality is what you see on tape. And, and, and Ryan, you know, we had the privilege and, and Rick as well going to Senior Bowl and seeing this guy up close and personal. You see it on the field, him coming out of his stance, the physicality he brings play in and play out. Pete, I'm so glad you brought up the Will Anderson thing. He had this dude in the blender the whole <laughs> game. And a lot of people said this was the number one guy in this draft. And Darnell Wright made him disappear the whole game. So uh, I could see why some teams evaluate him as the top tackle in this league. Now, the thing that he does struggle with is he's so aggressive. Sometimes he's a waist bender and a lunger, and that can get you in trouble when you're an offensive lineman, right? There's times he's beat inside because he's so aggressive and he lunges out of his waist instead of bending his knees and keeping his head out of it. But those are things you can uh, can fix at the next level with good coaching, right? The physicality, the physicality that he brings, that's something you can't coach either, have it or you don't. And I love the physical nature that he brings play in and play out. So, Rick, you can shoot me down. You can give me what yours is, but I went ahead and filled in some of the pro comps for these guys and some will be make you angry. And some, maybe you'll agree with, we'll see. I said, Jamari Sawyer, if you squint a little bit now, some Sawyer went later than probably he should have, but Rick, if you have, if you have no. something better, tell me what it is. Yeah. I'm going to go with Lyle Collins because oh he my goodness. that's better. Okay. Out of uh, LSU throw. and uh right tackle still playing right tackle. Okay. Some, some teams may project this guy inside the guard too, but he's too good at tackle, not try there first. But if a team, they're fooling themselves or they think they're going to put him over to the left side. And if he goes to Tampa Bay, which would be a good fit, I agree. 
But if they're going to throw him over to the left side and you watch that 21 tape, he's going to fail. He is a right tackle only, in my opinion. Hey, Rick, let me ask you this quickly. Why such discrepancy on right versus left for a player who obviously does one really well and struggled at the other side? Well, it's it's the pass rushers they're going against, but today and nowadays is that there's good pass rushers on both sides. Most teams have dominant pass rushers on both sides, but it seems like the right side, most of the time, the tight end's going to be over there, or may they get chip help from the back, but a lot of the protections can get moved that way, and it seemed like you put the lesser athlete on the right side. That's okay. kind of been the history of the NFL. No, most, most quarterbacks are, most quarterbacks are right-handed too. Handed, yeah. I mean, not, you know, okay. it's about the backside of the quarterback but, too. But, I, right. but I'll say this, Ryan. Yeah, like ahead, for, for the longest, Lane Johnson has been considered the best tackle in football, and he's a right tackle, right? We saw Trent Brown when he got paid; he was the highest-paid tackle at one point. He was a right tackle as well. So I think that stigma to, to Rick's point is kind of gone now because rushers move all the way around. You see Nick Bosa go on both sides. You see, you know, Garrett from the Cleveland Browns move on both sides. You got to be able to protect on both sides. And more specifically, if you're the Dolphins, right, you would hope you want a good right tackle because you got Tua Tungvaluwa, who's a left-handed quarterback. So I, I think, you know, Pete, you said the Tampa Bay Bucks. I've heard maybe even the New England Patriots could be a good fit for Darnell, right? And I think he could really bring that physicality with that run game that they truly enjoy in New England. Yeah, I put Patriots down, had the Steelers because they're always in need of right tackle help, um, offensive line help, I should say. And Pete, I'll ask you quickly, and then we'll move on to number four. Jaguars at 25? I think they're 25. Well, it's a possibility. I think they're going to go. I, I think they're going to go offensive line. So, yeah, it's a possibility. And then they'd have to play one of the guys at guard. And the other thing is, is Cam Robbins is probably only there for another year because his contract gets bloated in a big way next year. So I think you move little over the right uh, to the left tackle spot next year, uh, no matter what you do in the offensive line. Yeah, they picked 24. All right, let's go to uh, number four in our aggregate list here. Rick, Pete, and Liget had this young man ranked third. There's a young man for you there, Rick. I had him ranked fourth. Broderick Jones, tackle out of Georgia. Liget, I'll come to you first. What do you like about Broderick Jones and any good fits? I think he goes anywhere from 10 to 20th in that range in the first round. And any teams that could be eyeballing him to help them out. Yeah, I know Pete kind of laugh at me because, you know, he, he swears I bleed green because I'm a Jet. But I think at 13, if he's there, Broderick Jones makes a lot of sense to the New York Jets. Uh, left tackle, honestly, to me, out of all the top tackles, may have the highest ceiling, right? Now, the things that do concern me about Broderick Jones is sometimes he just doesn't finish in pass rush, right? You saw it in the game versus Ohio State. He'll initially have a good block and then just give up the block and end up giving up sacks. But Guys, as far as athletic ability in space, they used him on crack tosses. They used him on screen plays. You saw him get out in the open and mash guys in the open field. So you love the lift of this guy. He's physical in the run game. To me, he actually probably has the highest ceiling as far as guys going to the next level, what he can be in the NFL. So I think you're right, Ryan, that range from 10 to 20. I think he's going to be gone by pick 13, though. Hey, Pete. Um feels like he's just scratching the surface. Like he has a lot of room for improvement. I mean, do you think 10 to 20? Yeah, I do. I, I think, in fact, I had him going 13 to the Jets, and I don't bleed oh. green, by the way, like Lachey does. He, agree. Uh, he, he bleeds teal. That's all he wears is teal. No, that's not true. I bleed, <laughs> I bleed Viking purple because of you, Rick. Don't forget <laughs> it. Um, no, the thing about him is when you watch him on tape and then you look at how big he is, he doesn't look that big when he's playing, and that's a tribute to his athletic ability. He's a great athlete. He moves. The guy can move. And, and so you look at – sometimes you look at an offensive lineman and you go, oh, he's a big physical guy and that's what he is. 
and he weighs 330. But this kid doesn't look, when he plays, he doesn't look as big as he is, which is a tribute to him, by the way. It tells you that he's a great athlete. I, I think he's going to be a long-time starting left tackle in this league. And the more and more you watch him, the more and more you like him, of, of his play. So, Broderick Jones, right, a left tackle out of Georgia. Rick, do you have any comps? Or do you want to hear mine first and then laugh at it? Hear yours so I can uh, actually kind of semi-agree with it, but I thought I had a better one when I watched him in the fall until I figured out that this dude plays like he's under 300 pounds, and then he yeah. comes in and weighs in at the combine. And I was, like, incredibly surprised on how big he actually was, and he actually came on the stage, and we interviewed him, and he is a big man that plays – that has smaller left tackle athletic feet. And one of your – Did I just say that, Rick? You're, you're I, actually, it's an echo chamber in here. No. We're <laughs> <laughs> reading my reports. <laughs> I read your report. So, well, I want to hear your comp, bud. This uh, That'll be good. Do you have a comp? I not for him yet. I got to think about it. I'll think about it. Think about it. I well, got here, one. Here, here's one for you, Andrew Thomas. I'm semi-agreeing with that. I think that's a pretty good comp, but – because I thought he was under 300 pounds, the way he moved when I watched his tape, and I think he's still a little raw with his technique and needs to finish a little better, and I think he does need to get a little stronger. So my comp was uh, DJ Humphreys when he came out of Florida at the time. DJ's shaking his head sideways. I don't know if he likes that. Well, no, no, I'm like, that's actually pretty good. I, I agree <laughs> with the Thomas one, but I, I could see the DJ Humphrey one. All right. You all right with that, Pete? Yeah, that's that's actually pretty good. Yeah, yes. thanks, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you guys mentioned the Jets. What about these two teams for Broderick Jones, left tackle Georgia? And I'm repeating the name because we got comments that we talk about these players, and then I call them young men, and then uh, Rick calls them kids, and people don't know who we're talking about. So Broderick Jones, left tackle Georgia. Jets, obviously, because Lee Jay is a huge Jets guy, and so is Pete. What about the Bears at 10? Is that too soon? They like their left tackle. Uh, no, they, the left tackle last year, I he played really Jones. well. I mean, so no, I don't. I don't think the Bears are in play for him there. I don't. I don't think that's a Titans at eleven. Well, they just signed Andre Dillard. I mean, you, do, do, come you, on, he can't. <laughs> I'm not. I believe me. I'm not an Andre Dillard. <laughs> saying, that's the answer for them. They gave him. They gave him money. They paid him. They no gave man. him a three year deal. It's a pretty good contract too. So I, they obviously do. What do you want to say, Lejay? After I'm raising I think he has the skill set to move over to right now. I think he can be a dominant left tackle, but I think he has the skill set to, to move to get over bigger, to though, right tackles. I, yeah. think he, I mean, he's young, though. I think he will get bigger in the league. Yeah, yeah he is young. He is. He's young. very, he's very yeah. raw and young. I think he will get get massive in the league. Honestly, all I mean, right, let's go. Big, obviously, but let's go to number three. And the number three is the has the widest range of of draft grades from all or ranks. Excuse me, from all four of us. Um, Rick had this young man four. I had him number two. Pete had him first. And Lijay had him fifth, tied with John Michael Schmitz and, and Steve Avila, two interior offensive linemen. Boy, this would be a very interesting draft meeting with this discrepancy. It really would. <laughs> so I'm talking about Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida. And Rick, why don't you start off by telling me why this would be interesting and what how you would direct the room? Well, I would go and see what the hell Pete's seeing in this kid, <laughs> making the number one offense. <laughs> in the I'm second. What are you talking about? It's not like you're, you're way down there at number nine. No, I had him second. Rick had him fourth. Rick had him fourth. Well, Rick likes – I mean, look, the value of the position, I get it. I understand that part of it. You value the tackle position much higher than you do the guard position. So I think from a value standpoint – I would take the tackle as well, but that's not what this exercise was. It was to say who you thought would be the best offensive lineman 
in this class. And that's why I went number one, Rick. No, so I said to that, Rick. Yeah, because I think Skaronsky is the best offensive lineman in this class because he can play tackle and move in the guard, and he's a better player. Uh, Torrance is going to be a day one starter wherever he goes. I really love the kid, love his style. I think he's a gap scheme fit more than he is an outside zone scheme. I don't think he's a great athlete in space, but he's going to maul defenders. You can't move him. If you try to bull rush him, you're going nowhere. Sometimes his feet don't always recover when he has to go against finesse-type rushers. Uh, but he has enough length inside. He had a good pro day. Pete, when we were down there watching him work through the bag drills to really uh, see his feet move and how good an athlete. In fact, he surprised me. I thought he played and worked out with a little bit better bend than when I saw on tape. So, so I, I don't say that you, you take a one-position guy unless you think he's going to be a perennial Hall of Famer uh, at the guard position. So let me actually lead – to this Lige, because mm. Pete and Pete, tell me if I'm speaking out of turn. You think that he actually has the athleticism and the everything to play tackle, perhaps? Right tackle. Right I think tackle. Down the road, he can play right tackle. Now, let me. And Rick knows all about this because he drafted a guy with the same situation. He's got a bad body right now, and you know Christian Darrisaw when he came out had a bad body, and Rick drafted him in the first round. Well, Christian Darrisaw now has fixed that body, and so this guy's going to have to get stronger and bigger and more physical. Uh, because I think, you know, he's just a big physical man right now. But once he gets the proper nutrition and weight room and everything else in the NFL, he is going to be nasty. And I do think he can go play right tackle. I think he's going to be an all-world guard if you keep him there. But, I, and for example, Jacksonville will be in play for Torrance. And here's why. If they draft him and play him at guard, they would have the biggest, one of the biggest, if not the biggest offensive line in the league in front of their six foot six quarterback. When Little goes to left tackle, when Robinson leaves next year, then you can move him over and play him at right tackle if you have to. So, yeah, I do think he can play right tackle. And, Rick, you talk about his ability to hold up. The guy didn't give up any sacks. I mean, yeah. nobody got nobody got by him. He's just a – and I hate to use comparisons of great players, and he's not him. But Larry Allen, remember how physical Larry wow. Allen was? I'm not That's saying it's Larry Allen. Oh. <laughs> oh. He's going to be – because I think Scarazzi going to be a guard too. So I think ultimately you're going to talk about the two two of the better guards in the league, but I think he's ultimately going to be the best of the group if he stays there. All right, Lige, tell me why you have Osiris Torrance guard out of Florida fifth, and also tell me what you think about the idea of possibly him being good enough to play right tackle. I don't know if he'll be able to make the kick out to right tackle. Now, I know he came out and said he he would be able to do it. Um, to me, his best, and to Pete's point, his best suited spot is the guard, right? I think he could be all pro at guard. You talked about it, Pete. How many snaps this kid had and didn't give up not one sack. And I really love the battle between him and Jalen Carter. Now, Jalen Carter was coming off an injury when they played uh you know florida this year but just on third down when they used jalen carter it was it was great tape to watch two elite guys battle back and forth i know a lot of people were concerned with him you know leaving Louis, uh, louisiana and coming to florida the uptick in talent but again he played at a high level was the best offensive lineman in florida and to me he's my best interior offensive lineman in this draft it's just hard to get around this guy right and to Pete's point he's gonna have to work on his body probably a little bit on his conditioning too because at times he does get tired late in games but as a three technique rushing right if you don't beat him initially you're stuck it's just like you're in a phone booth with this guy and you're not going anywhere like it's literally 
almost impossible to get around this guy. So to me, he's my, my, my number one interior offensive lineman. I don't know if I would necessarily say he's athletic enough to kick out to right tackle. I guess only time would tell, but I think he could be an all world guard. I think that's where he should stay. So Rick, we heard the Larry Allen comp, uh, my comp, which you can do what you like with is Quentin Nelson in terms of ability to dominate. Um, I think he should, I think like if he, if he were a top 10 pick and the same way we talk about B. John Robinson be a top 10 player, I buy into that, but he probably goes bottom third of the first round. What do you think about those? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think wherever he ends up, he's going to be a plug and play day one starter. And I think he's going to be a very good NFL guard. Um, I don't know. Maybe he can play tackle, but that's a whole nother ball game when you go out there in space and you don't have bumpers on either side of you. So, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to argue with you just for time's sake because <laughs> whatever I'll take it but we'll argue off camera as soon as this is over that's all right that's what, right. what are you guys thinking about a Carl Nix comparison that's a good one too oh okay I, I think I've I think Carl Nix makes sense to me yeah Carl Nix was a massive man when he played and and for teams that have small quarterbacks so maybe a team who drafts uh the smallest quarterback in the history of the National Football League should look to get a, an offensive guard later on in the at draft. 12 at 12 with quarterbacks <laughs> better have big bodies at the interior so they don't collapse the pocket so he can see yeah so, so oh, Pete so let's say Houston takes Bryce at, at number two Bryce Young quarterback Alabama at 12 when they pick again would you take Osiris Torrance there no okay I'm just checking Okay, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get our top two offensive linemen as graded by us. All right, guys, we've three down, two to go, and this young man we just talked about a moment ago, Rick and Ryan have him ranked first on their boards. Lige has him ranked second, and old Petey Pancakes here has him ranked fifth. Um, <laughs> fifth, Pete? Pete, we're talking I'm about Pete. Pete, we're talking about Peter Skaronsky, left tackle, by the way, from Northwestern. Wow. Pete, you have a he's a guard. Defend uh, yourself. I, really, Go ahead. I think he's going to be a guard in the NFL. I think his arms are too short to play left tackle. I think you move him inside. Now, don't get me wrong; he's a good player. Uh, he's a really good player. Yeah. Uh, but in, when I did my rankings, I had him fifth. I just don't think that he's going to be as good as Torrance. I don't think he's going to be as valuable as those tackles. So that's why I moved him down, and that's why I have him at fifth. So, Pete, he has 32 and one-quarter-inch arms, which were among the shortest at the combine among offensive tackles. And, Rick, I'll ask you, you're all about the you know, the, the measurements. How concerned are you about that? I'm about the football player first, the measurements second. So let's not get uh, that, the, the, that messy. Let I don't know. Let you, know. You didn't like Sidney Brown because <laughs> I told you to like Sidney Brown. So I'll just say that. I couldn't see him on the field, but he's <laughs> ended up being a pretty good football player. So what about the arm length, though? 32 and, and a quarter. It's a concern, and there was a three-time Pro Bowl left tackle with similar arm length that played for the New England Patriots. Matt Light. Matt Light uh, comes to mind. And then if this guy does move into guard, my comp to him was Brandon Scherf. Lijay, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the arm length is, you know, is a concern. I think he could actually play really well at right tackle. I mean, to me, he's most technically sound tackle in this draft class, right? When you watch him on tape, he finishes in the run game. And even though he does have the shorter arms, guys just didn't get around him, right? It wasn't like he was just getting bold. He had enough strength. Now, initially, he gets pushed back, but he re-engages and and, and resets his hands really well and stops rushers from, from getting into the backfield. So, I could see the the move into guard, but I honestly think he could be a pretty good right tackle. So I remember I talked to Scott about him early in the process, and he said, go back and watch the 2021 Michigan game. So I did, 
And Aiden Hutchinson, you talked about Will Anderson not having anything going on against uh, who are we talking about? Who was the right tackle? Broderick Darnell Jones? Wright. Darnell, Darnell Wright. Wright. Excuse me. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson had nothing for Peter Skaronsky. Now, I will tell that's you who true. gave him trouble was David Ojabo. Ojabo, yep. <laughs> and that's just because he's athletic, he's twitchy, and he 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 beat him a few times. That said, to your point, Lijay, it wasn't happening often. And so, Pete, would you take him seventh if you're the Raiders, if you're targeting the offensive line? Is that too high for you? That's too high for me. I'm taking a tackle. If I'm I'm taking a pure tackle, I'm taking I'm taking a, somebody that it can plug and play definitely a tackle. And I don't think he can. I, okay. I think Lindeo might be honest. I mean, play him at right tackle, maybe, but I don't think he's a left tackle. I think that that arm length is going to be a factor. And by the way, Rick Matt Light was a was a light guy too. He weighed about two ninety when he two ninety five at one point. You know, What's that he, short arms? he played left tackle and he was a Pro yeah. Bowler with short arms at left tackle. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that. Do you yeah. think they're, they're not similar players at all, though? Those I two. I don't know. What's your comp, Pete? Uh, Scherf. Okay. <laughs> Rick's comp. He's a guard. That's what he is. <laughs> so I think he. I think he's the. He's my me and Rick's favorite offensive lineman. I think he could go as high as seventh. I, I think he could last to the end of the first round too, and maybe for we the reasons. Locked in on him being the number one lineman. We it's four months ago, and you haven't. You haven't. <laughs> you, you won't come off of it. I think Chicago at nine makes a lot of sense too. Chicago and makes sense. Stay right, home. They play right guard. Right guard. Yeah. Okay, so seven's too early. Ten's okay, is what you're saying, Pete. I mean, I think you got to. If, if you're the Raiders, you got to take a tackle. I think. Okay. All okay. right. So that's uh, our consensus number two. We'll get to number one here because Pete has more important things to do. Um, Rick has this young man ranked second, as does Pete. I have him ranked third, and Lijay has him number one. Lijay, we'll come to you first. Paris Johnson left tackle at Ohio State. Not a lot to be upset about with this young man's football game. Not at all. I got a really dope story. I know Pete has to go, but I'll tell it real quick. So I retired after 2017. 2018 is doing some media stuff. But 2019, doing the media stuff, still training guys in the NFL, right? Um, Defensive linemen and offensive linemen. This kid walks in down here in Miami, and Pete's familiar because he lives down here. Um, at Bomberitos, which is a training facility. Um, I'm thinking this kid's a rookie, right? Um, he looked really raw. He was he was training with the guys. So as I take the D-line through their drills, at the end, we do kind of like on-air one-on-ones. We don't want anybody touching each other. It's the offseason. Nobody gets hurt. After we're working out, I found out this kid was not only not a rookie in the NFL, he was coming out of senior high school. He was coming out of high school, and he was going into spring at Ohio State. It was Paris Johnson as a freshman, and he wasn't even a true freshman yet. He enrolled early at Ohio State and was there in the spring semester, and he was the best lineman they had in that spring semester. So I'll let you know how special this kid is. He came out during his spring break and was working his craft with NFL players, and I thought this kid was a rookie going into the draft. He was going into college. The thing about Paris Johnson to me, he's the 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 purest left tackle in this draft. Great footwork. Uh, mean streak in the run game. We'll finish in the run game. Now, speed to power has been an issue. We saw Luke uh, Van Ness have a few good rushes against him. And again, again, uh, at versus Georgia, a speed to power rush against him. But overall, to me, as far as footwork, hand placement, finishing in the run game, this is the best pure left tackle in this draft. And that's why he's my top guy on this board. So this and is the guy that you can... value, And by the way, Ryan, position value, that's who you take. You take because the yeah. position value of a left tackle is much greater. I, I think Torrance is going to be a better pure player than him, 
But I would take, if I had to pick between a left tackle and a left guard or a right guard, I'm taking the left tackle, and he's the best pure left tackle in the Why sport. would you take a lesser player to fill a need when you have a higher player on your it's board? Not that, it's not that much difference. That's why. Position value. You should know that. You can draft a running back in the first round if he's a better player than a left tackle who's a little bit below him on your board. Yeah, Adrian Peterson. I'm going to take him all yeah, day. That was about 40 the years ago. the not the rule. <laughs> Rick, what year was that? 2005? 2007. Six. Seven? Okay. Well, I mean, the different game now. Running backs don't decide Super Bowl, so you don't draft them high no matter where you have them on your board. Learn the game. I thought I taught you all this stuff. <laughs> Pete, to your point, the other thing is he did play left tackle last season. He played at a high level. He was right guard the year before that because right. they had they had Thayer Mumford. They had uh, Petit Friere. They had all those guys on the yeah. offensive line before he got there. So he does have that versatility. That said, um, when we were at the pro day, Rick, he he was impressive. Number one because he, he worked was out the, the most one. impressive offensive lineman I watched at all the pro days we went to, um, and just his movement, uh, his heavy hands. You know, uh, when you hear them pop those pads, his like echoed in there when he punched the bags because that was he was so heavy handed. And I know Pete really enjoys all the little tidbits that we are able to pick up from pro, pro days. Cause I've been trying to teach him the pre-draft process and what you're actually doing. You get nothing from those pro days that you don't get from the tape. <laughs> Stop it. So I think, I mean, he feels like a top 10 pick the company out of a bunch of money to go on vacation. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to Tuscaloosa for vacation in March. That's what we're doing. Um, top 15 pick all day long, probably top 10. Anyone dispute that? I, I just have one question. Do you think that Broderick Jones has a higher ceiling than this kid? Lee J, what do you think? Broderick, let me. I actually, let me, I actually do think he does have a higher ceiling. So hold on ceiling. one second. Just, Broderick Jones, ahead. offensive tackle, Georgia. And we're talking about versus Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle at Ohio State. Okay, go ahead. All right. Yeah, I think Broderick has a higher ceiling just because he's so raw and young and we don't know what his ceiling can be. Right. I think he can be a really elite player. But I, if you're a betting team and, you, and you've been in those meeting, Ricks, I'm going to go with the, the the surefire, you know, guy that's more ready to play right now, who still has a high ceiling. ceiling. But I think Broderick Jones has a little bit higher ceiling than, than Paris Johnson. I just think Paris Johnson right now is the best left tackle in this draft class. So that's why I would take him before I take Broderick Jones. So Pete, do you have a comp number one and number two, who are you taking first Paris Johnson, Ohio state to tackle I, or I haven't thought about a comp. Um, I would take Paris Johnson first okay. of all, all the offensive linemen. And, and by the way, Rick, you're a perfect case study. You got Christian Darisaw and most people didn't even have him in near the, it, you could tell his upside was better than he was, I think, even on the college game. I think you got to look at that sometimes. And, yeah, and that's that's why I bring up the point, because yeah. Roger uh, Jones could be halfway through next season. He may not be as ready as Paris Johnson is day one or week one as a starter, but by the end of the season, he may be better than him. Did you, so when you did your rankings, did you have Roderick Jones ahead of, uh, ahead of him? I had him just ahead of Broderick Jones, and I went back and forth on it. Yeah, it's close. It's really close. I would, we would be discussing this in a draft meeting right now, sure. and I may end up at the end putting Broderick Jones just a notch ahead of him. Yeah, these aren't these aren't the same. These aren't our final rankings yet either. I mean, we're, we're these are subject to more evaluation. In case I yeah. 
Yeah, Ryan of- never changes his rankings. He, he's stuck <laughs> on them. You could tell him something to your booze, blue. No, 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 no. I told him back a, two months ago that Skaronsky's a guard. Then he talked to a couple scout friends of his. He texts me, he says, Skaronsky, they say Skaronsky's a guard. I go, listen to me, would you please? <laughs> so, uh, as happened on the last show, uh, Rick, we got to kick Pete off because he keeps talking at me. But before he goes, Pete, I want to read the rest of your top, your six through ten, because you did the homework here, and then we'll get you off. We'll make fun of you for the picks here. At six, center from Ohio State, Leger, Luke Whippler. Is this six ranked Leger? That, 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 because he's got short arm. I'm not a Whippler guy, man. Pete. You guys are not Whippler guys. I'm a Whippler guy. We'll I see. Like, right. I like him too, Pete. I like him too. At seven. Right tackle Dewan Jones, who weighed 375 last time he got on the scale. Him a, he'll be a good player at right tackle. He'll be a good player. I'm not mad at that. 400 pounds and ate three meals at the pro day. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> we after football season. You don't have You can't season. get around him, though, Rick. That's right. Stand up. All right, at eight, my guy from Syracuse. Uh, tackle, although I think Bergeron. Pete thinks he's a guard, Matthew Bergeron. Is that right, Pete? I, I, like think he's a guard. I do think he's a guard. Tough and, guy, but he's too tall to play guard. No, he's not. And oh, not- so what, what do you think about Tipman then, Rick? I like Tipman better than I like Whippler, and I like uh, my guy from Minnesota who's yeah, a top there. that will Minnesota. He's from your my dog. name on Michael Schmitz, Schmitz Michaels, whatever his name is. <laughs> on Schmitz. He's, always, he's always on the ground. He's- All right. So here's the thing. At nine, Pete has Steve uh, Avila, the guard slash center at TCU. Well, I think he's going to be a center, by the way. Yeah, he's yeah. a good player. I think we all agree on that. And then the aforementioned John Michael Schmidt, center out of Minnesota, former wrestler. We talked to him at the Combine. He's a tough dude. And Pete, just so you know, he did go to Minnesota, but also one of Rick's former players is his agent. So that's why he loves Sean oh, Michael Schmidt. You know, look, there's always ties when you get Rick. Rick's always ties. Go back to Alabama, go back to Minnesota, whatever. There's always his agent. Sean Michael Smith's tie. got dog in him. That's he does. Yeah, that's he right. does. He's a, one of the he toughest hombres I watched on tape. He's and a good, Pete, he's a and, he, and he does all the calls. Pete, yeah. that's a that's a pretty good top ten. I don't I don't mind. I actually like Luke Whipple more than Lee does. Um, and and Rick, but I I, I give you an a plus for that. Yeah, I like, I like that Bergeron pick. I, he, I'm a fan of Bergeron. Too. I think he's a guard. All right, so Pete's leaving us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about the top five tight ends in this class. Thank you, Pete. We'll talk mm-hmm. to you soon. We'll be right back after this. All right, we're back from break. Pete has left us. And uh, as always, good talking to our guy, Pete Prisco. Now we're going to talk tight ends, guys. And it is weird to say in 2023 that the wide receiver class isn't that great and the tight end class is incredibly deep but here we are so the same deal here we have rick's uh, excuse me we have pete's tight end rankings but he's gone off to do hq but we'll incorporate them into our aggregate rankings so we all average these up gave our grades and we'll just start at five and go from there so at five rick had this young man ranked fifth me and pete had him ranked fourth lije had him third luke musgrave tight end oregon state Missed part of the a large part of the year with injury. Yep. Um, we talked to him at the combine, Rick, and he is a multi-sport athlete, including downhill skiing. I think was one of the the sports that he excelled at. Played lacrosse as well, and Rick has some experience in lacrosse from his family ties. And um, I would imagine there's some transition there, Rick, with lacrosse and football, especially in the skill position. Yeah, no, the hand-eye coordination, the feet, uh, everything you have to play in lacrosse. Uh, usually, you don't realize that you have to be a really good athlete to play lacrosse and that can translate over. And I asked my kids, you can either play soccer or lacrosse when they were growing up. 
And they said, you mean we can actually hit someone in the head with a stick? Well, I said, you can't hit them in the head with a stick, but you can cross-check them while you're running up and down a football field. So they decided to go that route in uh, soccer, although I'm a huge soccer fan. But Yeah, by the way, Lee might be the biggest Premier League fan here. He's a Man City guy. So Oh, bandwagon. <laughs> what? No, I was a fan with, before they had the money. <laughs> uh, just nice so you know, Lee uh Rick sat in the, in the Arsenal box a few years ago, so he's he's he's, he's ecstatic there. right now. Don't worry, yeah. you guys will choke like you always do. Oh, okay, that, I like Chelsea, <laughs> but I was a Tottenham guy. I traded uh, jerseys with Harry moving. Kane when he came over, and uh, okay. met Chelsea people. Terry, who was a uh, uh, can't remember his first name, John Terry, John Terry, John Terry, yeah. yeah. Austin Villa, we hosted Austin Villa at our. Uh, at our facility, oh, they came and used the practice facility. So Fulham, who okay. is owned by Omar or uh, Shaq Khan. Yeah, Khan. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. The Khans. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Hey, Rick, let me ask you quickly. Do you think a soccer, uh, looking a professional soccer player can successfully kick field goals in the NFL or is it too different? Uh, I watched them when they were screwing around on the field. No, it's different. You would have really? to trade. <laughs> injury. I mean, yeah, just so you know, Ryan, the soccer ball is a little bit more round in yeah. appearance Go ahead. Than, than, an, uh, than a football. How would you describe so, a football? What shape is that? Uh, is it oblongated? <laughs> People always say oblong. <laughs> Lee J, I've been on the road with this man for two months. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and he can't but, uh, wait until the draft is over. <laughs> I'm soccer. so glad Rick brought up that soccer point, right? Because I played soccer all the way up until ninth grade, right? And as far as footwork and when I, you know, have kids, that's literally, I'm going to tell them the same thing, Rick. Like, I, even if he wants to play football, I'm like, play soccer first, right? Play soccer first is going to get your footwork down. And I think that does translate to what, you know, Luke Musgrave has done, even though he played lacrosse. Um, bigger body, you know, tight end. That's the one thing about this tight end class, Ryan and, and Rick. I mean, these guys are big. There's some big tight ends in this this draft class. And they'll be starters in rounds three and four. Mm-hmm. That, and, and before I get into that, Rick, I do want to ask you this side question, right? As an evaluator, when you see a class like this, does it push guys down the draft board for you at tight end because you know you can get a really good guy later on in the draft? I, I don't think, it, in my opinion, I think it's it's almost like the running back class. I think you're going to get great value from a running back on Saturday as well. Correct. But that's the question. Unless you think there's a Kyle Pitts, which I don't see a Kyle Pitts in this class, um, that – you look at your draft board, and let's say you're looking at the defensive tackle or the inside t- interior defensive lineman, which I don't think is a very elite class. And if you have a tight end, let's say you have Mayer, and this is just an example. I don't know this. And let's say you have Brzee, uh from Clemson, and they're both in the same area of your draft board. And as you're looking at your draft board, when you look down after Brzee, there's no one for the interior defensive line. If you look after Mayer, there's 10 more guys. So I say, let's take the one need. Let's, we got in, we got a under tackle uh, need. Let's take him because there's nothing after this pick. As long as they're equal on your board and ability for, uh, for their position. And then Mayer, who we like too. But I've got seven other guys that I can swing around and get in the seventh, second round that we like as well. So Luke Musgrave tied in Oregon State. I think he's a, a late first, early day two guy. That feels about the range. I don't know if he goes high. I don't think middle of the first round, but we'll see. Sometimes there are surprises. 
Uh, I'll give you the comp, Rick and, and Lige, and you can do with it what you will. Dallas Goddard. Not bad. That's not right. terrible. Because he, he's, he, want mine? I think, yeah. Yeah, he went, what he went in the second round, right? Dallas yeah. went in the second round, right? Yeah, with Luke Musgrave, uh, he's not going to knock your face off, but he's a willing blocker and big target in the red zone. And deceptive speed, I would say. You, you talked about earlier, Ryan, missed, you know, a lot of the, this past season. But we got a chance to look at him at Senior Bowl a little bit. So uh, I think, you know, Early second round is, is probably his sweet spot. Um, like I said, I had him third. I think you guys had him a little bit later, his fifth. I just I just like his size, his ability to stretch the field, and then being able to be a willing blocker is what I really liked about him. So he, he to- does not like Ryan. Ryan said something about his oh, mustache yeah. on stage, and I thought he was going to kill Ryan. He so. was. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I I I was offset and I wasn't paying attention. Not, Ryan is not as funny as me. People don't get his sense of humor compared to mine. So I'm not, handsome. I'm not as handsome either. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the show just for eye candy and my sense of humor. Oh my god! So I rushed on set, Lige, and he was sitting. I was sitting next to to Luke, and I mentioned um, you did so and so at the the combine, and I meant to say Senior Bowl, and I think Rick, as he always did, corrected me, and I said, "Sorry, Luke, I got distracted by your mustache," and it it was like. Like, Straight right. face. <laughs> like going on. <laughs> I was like, all right, like, man. what you trying to say? <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. So Rick, Luke is uh, measured in at six five and seven eight. So he's almost six six, two fifty-three, yeah. ran a four six one. I mentioned Dallas Goddard. Who's your can who's your comp, excuse me, for Luke Musgrave, uh tight end out of Oregon State? Well, I'm gonna go way back in the day. I'm gonna go back to two thousand and three. There was a tight end that came out of Iowa, Dallas Clark. Oh, that's a good one. And by the way, Dallas Clark is bigger than people give him credit for. I thought he was like 235. He was like over 250, I think, when he came yeah. out. He's yeah, a, he yeah, was a he big was, player. He got smaller in the yeah. league. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that what happened? Okay. Yeah. There we go. I like that. And um, a team that I, I I think is a good fit for Luke it would be like the Cowboys, for example. They got rid of Dalton Schultz. They need help at tight end. I mean, if you take him at 26, is that too early? Maybe not, especially um, if you can get Dak back on track and CeeDee Lamb's going into, what's he going to, year three, year four? And you would think that offense, well, we'll, t- we'll see if it takes a step forward without Kellen Moore. We'll see how that goes. Um, all right, number four on the list. Rick has Rick and Lige both have this this guy ranked fourth. I had him fifth, and Pete, who's no longer here to defend himself, Pete Persco had him second. Talking I was about, say, I, I bet Pete had him high. Yeah, hey, Pete, because he's shorter. Because he's shorter, that's why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's shorter than the other tight ends. This so, is one time I'm going to agree with Pete. This guy keeps growing on me the more and yeah, more I watch the way he worked out at the combine. All right, hold on. Let me give you his name first. Pro day. Let Go me ahead. Give his name and then you tell us. Yeah, Sam Laporta, tight end out of Iowa. And, and Rick, I'll just say one of the things that I fell for with Josh Palmer coming out of Tennessee is that I said I, he doesn't look like he can play. And as a scout pointed out to me later, um, he had a terrible offensive situation around him. So you have to be able to see through that. And Iowa's offense stunk. So, Rick, go ahead. Tell me about sure. Sam Laporta. Tight end at Iowa, 6'3", 245, 4'59". Yeah, he ran fast at the combine. And I don't want to say we're sitting in draft meetings. Let's not create a monster out of him. Yeah. Uh, but he is a very good football player. I think he has to work on his technique as a blocker. But I loved his tenacity, at yeah. least to try to finish, because I think he gave better effort than some of the other tight ends that we'll talk about. As a run blocker, I think he's quick twitched enough to separate in underneath uh, routes. I think uh, a few drops that were concentration drops to me can be cleaned up, but I think he has good hands. 
He is very good at the bad ball since he had a lot of bad ball drills <laughs> with the quarterback play at Iowa this past year. And I think you don't, he doesn't get enough credit for his athleticism after he makes the catch. But I think this guy, and I'm not going to say this, I'll tell you one person I talked to at a pro day thought he was a poor man, George Kittle. All right, Lee you're school. up. <laughs> Same school, so it makes sense, right? Tied in you. Uh, I'm like you, Rick. He's growing on me the more and more I watch tape. I mean, Ryan, you spoke about it. Horrific quarterback situation mm-hmm. at Iowa. I mean, you turn on that Ohio State tape, and you're like, oh, my. Like, you almost just want to turn it off because of the quarterback <laughs> that was, at Iowa. It was, it was like 40, bad. It was like 40 offensive plays. They were so bad. It was bad. It was really bad. And t- to your point, right, Rick, the athletic ability, they split this guy out like a receiver. They run – not just tight end screens to him, like receiver screens to him out in open space. Um, very sav- sh- uh, savvy and shifty in the open field. He's more athletic than you think he is, right? And I think it happens to a lot of safeties when they're guarding him. They don't realize how athletic this kid is and kid is. And I think he has H back skill set as well, too. And I love this willingness to block, even though he's not the biggest guy. He'll fit it up in there. To your point, Rick, he needs to work on his technique a little bit more. But I always take a guy that's willing to do it than a guy that shies away from it at all. So I think he can be a complete tight end. Um, I, I could see the comparison to a poor man's Kittle. Kittle definitely a better blocker. But as far as the receiving but Kittle wasn't set, a great blocker coming out. He, he, he really wasn't. I had him his rookie year. He got a lot better than he was his yeah. rookie year. Um, so I think Laporta can grow in that aspect, right? But as far as receiving and run after catch, I could see why you put the comparison between him and Kittle. Yeah, and, and he, he is an expert. He must have caught 250 out routes because that's the only thing the quarterback can throw besides literally. the tight end <laughs> I think all the, the tight ends we're going to talk about here in this top five list are basically late first, early day two guys. Um, if you feel differently, certainly let me know. If, if you think one goes higher than, than that, maybe uh, um, someone later in the list will. Uh, in terms of a good fit, and Lejay, tell me what you think about this. I had him going 42nd overall in the three-round mock draft a few weeks ago to your New York Jets to help out whoever the quarterback is. I'm assuming it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. You're making a face. You don't love it? Well, it's, it's I've heard a lot of mocks, you know, potentially having a tight end there, but I'm like, I, I really like Jeremy Rucker. I think he can grow yeah. into that offense, and he, let's not That's forget, right. they still have two other, you know, tight ends and Uzama there, and, and, and Tyler, I like to call him Gronklin, but Tyler Conklin. I like it. Played really like well Conklin. last year, too. Yeah, Conklin's yeah. my guy. <laughs> he's, he's a really good player. So I, I, I've heard a couple mocks, you know, mocking a tight end to help Aaron Rodgers, but I'm like, I think they have three really good tight ends already. I don't think that's what the Jets need. And you know what? That's a good point because Luke Ruckert was drafted last year. I think last year, right? Yeah, Jeremy Ohio- Ruckert, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jeremy, excuse me. And came out of Ohio State as a pretty good football player, and you didn't see a whole lot of him last year, and people just yeah, tend to forget about it. he was hurt in the beginning of the year, so people forgot well, about him. That's right, yeah. and it doesn't mean he can't play, and they're not going to just blow a draft pick on the kid and then move on unless there's something else going on that we don't know about. So that's a, a good point to remember. And, and both of those other veteran tight ends are only going into their second year of the contract that they just signed. They both got signed in the un- in the free agent market last year. All right, I get it. It was a, it was a bad, bad draft pick <laughs> by me. I get it. Thank you. All right, I'm going to regroup. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll do the top three. On our top five tight ends list, we'll be back right after this. All right, guys, two down, three to go. Next guy up, Rick has him ranked third. Pete had him ranked third. Lige had him fifth, and I had him second. So, Lige, we'll start with you. Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. Uh, only got a chance to play because of injury. He was a transfer, but when he played, my man took over. Now, one of the things Rick talks about in general, and we've talked about with Jalen Hyde in the past, is 
what do we make of one year productivity guys? Mm. And part of me is like, well, they took advantage of the opportunity. And Rick will say, well, why didn't they take advantage of that opportunity previous to that? So don't <laughs> yeah, Rick Kincaid, me on the same wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> so let me say this, Lee J, and then you go. Don Kincaid ain't blocking nobody. A but soul. offensively, he <laughs> is he's a playmaker down the field. Go. Yeah, so that's uh, before I go, I want to, you know, ask Rick this question, right? So, and you're in the, the draft room, right? And, and Ryan, you teed that up perfectly. I want to give you your kudos for that, right? Kincaid wasn't the guy. Keithy was the guy, right? Yep. Keithy goes down. Kincaid takes advantage of it. So when you're in those war rooms, like, where, where do you take that into consideration as far as, one, to Ryan's point, he took advantage of his opportunity when he got it. But we don't see the, the the overall production because he wasn't the guy until the, the guy got hurt. Right. And th- those are the things that you're going to discuss. And the question becomes, is it an anomaly where, hey, he just did it? Or if he was able to do that against USC, he should be able to do that, continue to do that because he's shown he can do it. So you'll go back and forth, especially with the tight end coach, with the offensive coordinator and the scouts and kind of go back and forth. Where I always got listened a lot was, well, let's take this guy and let's use him to whatever his strength is. Because his strength's not a blocker, although I'll disagree. I think he gave some effort in space. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it was got, bad, though. Well, <laughs> at least he gave effort. You know, yeah. he gave the other guy for effort. I will give that Florida game, effort. my goodness. Yeah. Now, if you're going to ask him to be a traditional Y and block at the line of scrimmage, I wouldn't do that with this dude. But uh, I think this guy does have enough athleticism. Problem is, he hasn't been able to do anything because I think he has those back fractures. So if he would have came out in the combine and blew up the combine, let's say he ran four or five at his size, then you would be feel a lot better about it. But you've got a one year, a little bit like a one year wonder. You got a guy with uh, whatever the doctors say on his back situation, if that's significant or not. And he hasn't done anything since the season. So those are some red flags that you're definitely going to uh, be concerned about when you're going through these draft meetings. So yeah, I think that's oh, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, Ryan. Go ahead no, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what concerns me, right? And that's why I had him fifth on this list. We saw the production, but it was one year. Keith gets hurt, and that's why the production happened. Now, versus USC, like the best player on the field. Now, to your point, Rick, are we gonna see that in the league? Is that who's he? Is that who is he going to be going forward? And then we talked about it. he's a liability blocking, right? And then the concerns, especially that back, that's nerve-wracking to any scout and, and GM. You don't know what how significant the back injury is. I believe he's a little bit older, too. Yep. So when you talk about guys on this list, and we talked about this earlier, Rick, with a class being this deep, do you you know take a chance on taking a Dalton Kincaid in the first round when you know – there's so many other good tight ends and they're younger and they might have a higher upside than him. So you're saying in a draft meeting, if I'm listening to you, correct, mm-hmm. that you don't want to take an old tight end with a broken back that doesn't block. <laughs> I mean, so, let's, let's put this into perspective, right? The, the, the two teams that were in the NFC championship game last year, both have two tight ends that can catch, but they also do what block really well. We saw the Eagles with their physical run game. Even the Chiefs last year, and Travis Kelsey, again, isn't the best blocker, but at least he's willing to do it. Kincaid, like you said, he may give some effort, but it just looks bad. I saw safeties press him at the line of scrimmage. He couldn't get off. I saw safety blitz knock him on his back. So, I mean, that concerns me for a guy that's that big that you don't give even a little bit more 
grunt in the blocking game. Now, again, pass catching, easy elite at doing that. But I do have concerns because before Keithy got hurt, he wasn't the guy. He became the guy after the number one tight end got hurt. So Don Kincaid tied in out of Utah, 6'3 and 5'8, 246 of the combine. He'll be 24 in October. So to to what you were saying, Lejay, he he is a little older. Um, I'll give you the comp and you can whatever. I don't care at this point. Dennis Pitta. <laughs> you just want to get this podcast over with. That's actually a really good comp, right? Yeah, Dennis Pitta. What do you think of that, Rick? That's, uh, that's okay. Comp. That's okay. How about the kid that came out of UCLA last year? Greg oh, uh, Dolchich, yeah. Greg Dolchich. By the way, really my comp for Greg Dolchich is Luke Musgrave only because they both had mustaches. I made fun of both mustaches, and both guys <laughs> did not think it was funny. So that's funny. Dolchich is a good one. It's not funny. Don't tell him he's funny because he's really not. <laughs> <laughs> that's my line when people tell you you're funny. Uh, so assuming, and this is a big assumption, don't want to do this in the draft room. I get all that, but assuming that Dalton Kincaid, the tight end of Utah, is healthy, I think again late first, early day two. Now, if the medicals come back, and Rick, you know this is the time of year where you get those medicals. We talked to your guy, Eric Sugarman, about this, the former Vikings trainer and head of medicine. This is when all that information gets dumped into the the robot that tells you, gives you an idea of which direction you should go. So that's something that teams will have to sort through um, with Dalton Kincaid and his back. All right, number two on the list of our top five tight ends. Rick, you have him second. Liget has him second. I had him third. And old Pete, once again, not here to defend himself, had him fifth, and I can only guess because he wants him to play what? tackle. That's probably so, what it is. <laughs> it is 100%. So I'm talking about Darnell Washington, tight end, out of Georgia, 6'6", and some change, almost 6'7", 265. And he is, Lige, a long strider. He's not twitchy, but that's not his thing. He is the best blocking tight end in this draft class. And if you guys disagree, let me know. And I think <laughs> the, the ceiling is – enormously he has a lot of room for growth yeah right when you have a chance to draft an alien you do it that's what darnell washington is he's an alien he's not human and if he didn't have brock bauer on his team i believe he would have been a consensus all-american to be honest with you i mean we saw the combine the soft hands for a guy that big coming up with one-handed catches we've seen him leap over guys and we talked about the blocking aspect it's like having a six offensive lineman Right. This guy is a guy that can hit and move. He can line in line. They split him out as a receiver sometimes and threw him fade balls. I think he could stretch the field down the seams on teams. He did that a lot at Georgia. And then even they motioned him in the backfield and had him as a lead blocker. So it shows the athletic ability. So for a guy that big to have that type of stride and be athletic in open space and be able to wiggle at that size. Uh, to me, like uh, Michael, uh, and we'll talk about Michael Mayer next, but Dar- Daniel Washington, we don't even know what his ceiling is because he's not a human being. So, Rick, six, again, Darnell Washington tied in out of Georgia, six, six, and five, eights, 264, 11-inch hands, 34 and three-eighths inch arms, four, six, four, 40. If you're in the draft room and you're looking for a tight end and he's not polished and we have these other tight ends in this draft class, how seriously are you considering him? I put him up there because of the same things um, that Leisure had said, but I'm going to ask you this question here and ask if it's a concern. Reportedly, and I don't have confirmation on this, but if I had scouts, I would ask, what did he play at and what did his weight history through his time mm-hmm. in Georgia? So that 264 or whatever, that may be the only time he's ever weighed that in his entire life because he was getting yeah. ready for the combine. So he weighed more or less? I more. Say, I think some people I have heard on the rumors that played 280-plus during the season. 
So but Rick, let me ask you this. If he played well, let, I, I finish my point. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> See how it is how hard it is working with a guy that you're trying to you got a great point you want to make, and then all of a sudden he cuts you off at the knees. Go ahead, go, go, go. You made a good point. Keep going, keep going. So when he shows up at the first rookie mini camp, or when he shows up the training camp, are you getting the 264 version? Are you getting the 280 plus version? Because I don't think he'll ever run that at 280 plus what he ran at the mm-hmm. combine at 264. So that would be something that I would ask in a draft room. Okay. So let me ask this question, Lee and either you or Rick can answer it. Let's say he plays at 284 or whatever um, that we saw him dominate at at times in Georgia. Yeah. Let's say he runs a 475, which is what Hawkinson ran in great shape at the combine. Is that a problem? I don't think it is. And to Rick's point, I heard most of the season he was around 270, 275. Okay. And Rick, and Rick knows this. Everybody drops weight at the combine. Well, unless you're a quarterback from Alabama, you try to put on <laughs> weight, right? Um, but mostly everybody drops weight. I mean, that was the question for Jordan Davis last year, right? Like, what yeah. guy are you going to get? Are you going to get the guy that showed up at the combine? Or are you going to get the guy that we saw on tape sometimes that – was tired after three or four plays. So, I mean, that, that's what you got to do your due diligence for, right, Rick? And that's what you talk about meeting with the guys, meeting with the the staff, the coaching staff at Georgia, meeting with people, you know, other players on the team. But I think to your point, right, even if he was 280, he still moved really well at 280 as far as attacking down the seam. And then we saw what he did, was as a blocker, right? Like, literally, I talked about this, like having an extra – offensive lineman in there and even at 280 they again they line him up in the backfield they use him on split zones going across the formation they lead, use them as a lead blocker on lead play so i mean again is it concerning a little bit because you're talking about 20 pounds difference but if he's in that 270 275 range i'm not mad all right let me just ask you this when you guys watch the tape on him and we look at play speed and would you have estimated him at what he ran in the 40 no, I would have no. bet my house, although I only have half a house after no. the hurricane. Here we go. So, <laughs> no, he doesn't yeah. look a four six four guy. I don't point. think anybody would have said he ran four six. Because he would have put him in a four eight four nine range off what I saw on tape. He's a build up speed guy. He's not yep. twitchy yep. off the line, and he's got long legs, so it takes a while to get going. But once he gets going, he's gone. But I, yeah. I know what you're saying, and that's a good point, Rick. That we haven't talked about. Like you do lose all this weight, and you burn a four six four. And that's the last time we're going to see 265. He'll never run another 40 for the rest of his life. Ever, ever. So it doesn't matter. Do you guys remember what Jelani Woods ran last year? Uh, did he run? I don't know. That was my freak comparison, though, when we were making comparison. Well, I mean, I mean because he's a he's a build-up guy, too. And, and I feel right. like the Colts didn't use him as well as they should have. And we saw in certain games him be an issue down the seam. And I think four, that's what four, six, one, Lee J. So he ran fast, too. But it didn't look like that on film. It didn't like he ran a four six one. So so that's actually a pretty good comparison. I mean, yeah, there you go. Obviously, he's not a good as, as good a blocker as Washington. Washington's a way better uh, blocker well, than Woods. Jelani never lined up the block. They always exactly that's spread <laughs> offense at Liberty. So Jelani Woods is tied in from UVA. He was injured for most of the year last year too. So the second UVA half was- that transferred to Liberty and played his last year at Liberty. Are you sure? No, he played at UVA. Oh, he played at UVA. I'm sorry. I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. My okay. apologies. Yeah. Um, well, mark the date, Thomas. We got an apology from Rick to me, so I will take that. All right, let's let's go to well, number one. Before we go to number oh, yeah, one, I would love get, to hear your, your guys' comparisons. Oh, uh, I so Rick asked Darnell this at the at the combine, 
And I actually don't like I don't I don't hate the Jelani Woods one, but he said that the obvious one was Mercedes Lewis because there are a few Lewis, guys I that mean, were that size. I think it's a decent comparison. Martellus Bennett was my comparison. Uh, that's a good one. Like people don't understand don't how this was yeah, pretty athletic and twitchy. Exactly. People didn't understand how good an athlete he was in open space, but then also how dominant a blocker he was. Yep. Right. Texas A&M. Yeah. Yep. They took him in the second round. It was my class. No way. They took him in the second round and I, they had Witten still there. Um, but ooh, this ooh. dude is, yeah, this dude was a dominant blocker. And I think the, the Martellus Bennett comparison is a little bit better than the Mercedes Lewis. I think the Mercedes Lewis one's just people being lazy. I'll let you tell Darnell that one, but uh, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I ain't telling Darnell that. I don't know if you saw the picture I took with him. It was look like I was just son going, to, going to kindergarten. Yeah, he walked up on the stage and Ryan at the combine and Ryan goes, geez, you must be at least 6'3". I was like, I almost fell That's off my true. chair. I know he was hot about that. Did you guys see the Twitter picture he put up? I forgot who it was. It might have been with the tight end, um, Dylan, what's his name, for Purdue? Because I think he's really tall. Oh, Payne right? Durham. Yeah, and supposedly Washington, they were like eye level, but they gave him like an extra inch over Darnell Washington. He was mad about it. Oh, please. And just to be clear, <laughs> I didn't say Darnell was 6'3". I asked Miles Murphy that, who's 6'4 and 5'8". So I was off by an inch and 5'8". Rick. <laughs> Rick, he hit his head coming up on the lights hanging up on top of the rafters, and he's like, oh, yeah, you got to be at least 6'3". I've heard this story so many times. <laughs> Quit laughing. All right, let's get to number one so I can kick both you guys out of here. <laughs> All right, I like having guests, right? This is fun. I know. It is actually fun. It's nice to mix it up a little bit. And this is the first time in, in all the, the picks we've talked about, both five uh, tight ends and all the offensive linemen, we agree. Number one, Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame. And I'll just give you the the the, the pre-comp before we get into it. I had um, – and this may, be your, my, this may be your comp, actually, Rick, so I'm stealing. Jason Witten, is that yours? Yeah, I had that. I had a little bit Dalton Schultz. Yeah, was a little bit of a comparison. I was kind of going back and forth, but in that that realm. And I went old school Todd Heap. They're similar similar frame. Todd might be a little bit more athletic, but he was a he was a really good player, man. Mm. Um, but Michael Mayer, he can play in the slot, but he's one of the few guys you can put in line, and you know he's going to block someone that's not named Darnell. Uh, I thought he was incredibly important to that offense, given how bad the quarterback play was. And he made play after play after play. We talked to him. He's a solid dude through and through. Cares about football, all those things that you like. Uh, Lee J, why do you have Michael Mayer, tight end Notre Dame, number one? Yeah, I'm surprised that there, there's – I mean, again, mock drafts are mock drafts. I'm so surprised yeah. that people were considering not putting him at number one. I mean, he's a complete tight end as far as athletic ability to spread out, play in line. Also, a, a very savvy route runner, uh, more athletic than people actually give him credit for. I think he still ran in what the four set, like four seven four, maybe four seven oh that four seven oh. So that's that's plenty of speed. Um, you see it at times jump over defenders, right? Shows you the athletic ability in open space. And one thing he really wanted to work on, and you talked about this, Rob, was being more of a dominant blocker this year. And you could see it on tape, right? It, it he cared about it. it. It it meant something to him as far as him and his run blocking ability. And you talked about it as bad as that quarterback play was at Notre Dame, right? For him to be able to have the production that he had and knowing that the ball is probably not going to be where it needs to be, uh, I think it's not even up for discussion that this guy is the number one tight end. Uh, he's actually, besides watching the only tight end I would consider going in the first round. So, Rick, let me ask you, because you had a history of, of drafting really good tight ends. Is this a position that's easier to identify, or was it you were just good at finding tight ends? No, my staff was good at finding tight ends. I was just like on the show. All I sit here is, is do comic Hi, relief Katie. for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I like this player. I think he's the most complete tight end in the draft because he can do everything. I would disagree. I think he is a sneaky athlete, but yeah. he's not going to show up in shorts at the combine, you know, running around and doing the uh, athletic stuff as much. He's a better, in my opinion, a better football player than he is mm. athlete. So if you're going to take I him to the Olympics, he's going to be not going to medal, but if you're going to put him on a football field, he's going to medal. And I thought he can do why he can do anything you want. He's going to be a day one starter wherever he goes. He's going to make as many contested catches as I can remember any tight end making. But I think at the NFL, because he's not four or five or because he's not this, he's going to be in contested situations. But he has proven he can come through and make those type of catches. My biggest knock on him, and Ryan, I'll let you talk about it, was okay. <coughs> go ahead. <laughs> he was eating a hot dog during the bowl game on the sidelines while his team was competing, and Rick hated the fact that he wasn't competing with his teammates. He's stuffing a hot dog in his mouth. So two things. Doing interview <laughs> with ESPN. Two things. Rick wants you to compete, and he also hates hot dogs. That's what I took away from that. Story. <laughs> he hates he hate, he hate guys that don't play in bowl games. Oh, Lord, have mercy. That's why he loves those <laughs> Alabama kids, in addition to Pete will tell you some other things. <laughs> but, look, and I give Rick credit. Like he said to Bryce Young, he said, why aren't you working out at the Combine? Because you, you played the bowl game. Why aren't you working out? And, you know, Bryce had an answer. But he, he put that question to to Will Levis, who had a bunch of tough questions to answer. And and I get it. I, my, my thing is, and I'm a little more uh, progressive than Rick about this, I don't want these kids getting hurt and losing that on millions. But when you're having to explain to an owner why you drafted a kid that ain't trying, then that's a different conversation than some guy like me. Just There was a up. little receiver out of Alabama that blew his ACL out, and I understand it was in the playoffs. Yeah. Still got drafted in 12th, and he had a pretty nice insurance policy that made sure he was covered. So yeah, I'm right. just saying, when you talk to the Alabama kids, and we interviewed them all, and I'm not being biased one way, <laughs> shape, or form, but they say they want to go out there and compete with their brothers one more time, one last time, because that's the last time in their life that they'll be together. Yeah, Honestly, no, I right. wouldn't even been mad if Bryce didn't play. It wasn't just one receiver. It was both receivers that went down with major injuries. Let's not forget, the Texans took another receiver from Alabama in the third round who tore his ACL, too. Oh, and, right, uh, Yeah, so, like... Yeah, but Mechie was more... He had the cancer too, didn't he? Well, that, that happened this after, year, I think, right? Yeah, it happened yeah. after. Yeah. So, like, if I'm Bryce, I like, I would have, I probably wouldn't have played in that. And I know Rick, you hate that, but I wouldn't have played in that that bowl game for <laughs> what? Bryce Young <laughs> played in that bowl game, and maybe after the first two series, had the best game of his uh, season, and he that did. put him up to potentially the number one overall draft. No, pick. that's a great point. I was watching yeah. that game a few weeks ago, and I was like, I forgot some of the throws he made in that some game. Some of the anticipation throws in that game. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> so before we get out of here, and you talked about the the level of athleticism in this group of tight ends, Rick, uh, you explain to people what this number means, and you'll be explaining to me too because I can't keep up with these. So the three-cone drill for Michael Mayer at his pro day was seven two six. What does that mean to you? Uh, well, I just got to compare it. Um but basically, it's measuring their ability to change direction, turn and bend and accelerate out of the turn. So those are things that you're probably going to try to anticipate the acceleration coming into and out of his routes. And if he has the burst and how he changes direction, like an option route underneath or, a, you know, any type of angle routes or things like that. So you're trying to compare measurables that way in that three cone. In fact, there there was an old scout called Co. Uh, Brigado, who came up with that drill, oh. and it wasn't used 
back in 1990 at my first combine when it was just scouts and coaches watching guys work out in Indianapolis. It was uh, actually implemented like in the mid-90s. I can't remember the exact date. And it became one of the best measuring sticks for change of direction and acceleration. Well, let me give you some some context. So 726 was the three-cone drill uh, time for Michael Mayer. Our guy <coughs> Sam Laporta ran a 691 in the three-cone drill. So that gives you some idea that and he's a get in and out of his cuts. Yeah, he can. <laughs> and then there's a receiver at Ohio State that I think also blew that away. Smith, yeah, Jackson Smith did really well in the three cone. Yeah, let's see what Jackson did real quick and then we'll get out of here. So Jackson and his three cone. Oh, I don't have it. I don't have it in front of me. Sorry. His, sh- his shuttle was great, though. All right. So anyway, that's it. That's what we got. We talked offensive line. We talked tight ends. That's a wrap on episode 33. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. Thanks, as always, to the support. We really appreciate it. Rick, we're back tomorrow for Mock Draft Thursday, so guys, join us for that. So thanks, as always, to my guy Rick. Thanks to Leger and Pete for joining us, and thanks to producer Thomas for filling in for Debo, who is still on vacation, Rick. Meanwhile, we'll yeah, see Debo you guys. will get you a, with the first pick, golf shirt for being a member of and a guest on our podcast. There so you make sure you get up Debo on one. that. Yeah, and by the way, before, before we get out of here, Lujay join us next week to talk defensive linemen. So Lujay, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. We don't best, have ads yet. Best position group in yeah. all the football, you know? <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you tomorrow.